welcome to Mindfulness Fridays with my dear friend Jad Patrick. I'm so excited, Jaddles. Me too. Because we've never done this, we've been talking about it for a little while. So this is technically episode one of the pod. Uh, do you have your timer on, by the way? Because I just realised I don't have mine on. Oh, good. Yeah. Look at us doing all the um, official stuff because I use the um, mic. So this topic is stress and anxiety. I imagine it is something that everybody feels and even in your consult room when people aren't coming to you for mindfulness or as a counsellor and they're coming to you for nutrition or naturopathy, I imagine that in every client you would see the manifestation of stress and anxiety in some way. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's if you're not getting stress at least at some stage in your day, you're not kind of responding to the needs of the environment. So it's we'll unpack what stress is, why it's important, how we relate to it and how that can turn into anxiety and problems as well, I suppose. And and this is one thing I have here is like how does it actually manifest? Because I think sometimes like for me I can do a whole day and it'll get to like 4 or 5 p.m. in the afternoon I'm like, oh, my heart rate, my heart rate's like super high. Mm. I had a meeting last Monday with my accountant and she had this app on your phone that me- man- me- sorry that measures your stress and you put your thumbprint on it. I don't know if it was a croc or not, but um, she's like, oh, look, my stress is always in the green at zero. And she's like, why don't you do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. I'd just been running around. I couldn't find where the meeting spot was, so I knew that my heart rate would have been elevated. And I'd eaten stuff I was allergic to earlier in the morning and so like a bit of sugar and stuff. So I, I would have been inflamed in some way. Mm. Um, and I put my finger on this app and it looked like I was about to have a heart attack. <laughs> I came off as, as red on the scale as you could and my heart rate was like 95 beats per minute. Mm. And I knew I was sweaty, like I knew mm. I was hot, I couldn't find where I was going. But it didn't take me until that meeting that I realised that I was in a stressed and kind of anxious kind of state yeah. for a few hours. Yeah, yeah. That. So it can manifest in the body, right, it pretty is, quickly? Well, yeah, I mean stress is sort of found in the body. So the stress response is an evolved adaptation to help us prepare for action. So to, to get away from a saber-toothed tiger to, you know, um, uh, escape some sort of danger essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of supposed to be something kind of short-term that prepares us for action. So we release adrenaline, which gets our um, muscles moving, our heart pumping. It makes us think very quickly. It also narrows our focus. So a little bit of stress is good because we need to narrow our focus, hone in, get really fixated um, if we're trying to escape some kind of threat. We can't be sort of wondering what's for dinner if we're escaping a saber-toothed mm-hmm. tiger. We just need to how the fuck do we get out of here? Mm. That's that's the priority. So um, our, our mind becomes very focused. It sort of cuts out sort of extra kind of thinking. Our body becomes sort of tense, ready for movement. Um, our digestion and sort of non-essential kind of function sort of slow down a little bit. More of the energy in the body is directed to to movement and and um, and energy production. So in the short term, that's great. Helps us to get away from threat. And in our day to day lives, a little bit of stress is important for us to be focused, have the energy to to commit to something. But when that stress response is ongoing and prolonged and doesn't get switched off, then it starts to impact on our physiology in really negative ways. So you'll have you know increased risk of high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, tension, headaches, irritable bowel symptoms, um, 
uh, well, even forgetfulness, on, foggy-headedness, all of those sorts of and things. And in the intro you talked about, I forgot the word, telonins or something. Telomeres, yeah. So I imagine it ages you. It does impact on the ageing process as well, especially when it's when it's sort of prolonged. So some of the signs we might have of, of being stressed would be changes in our thoughts. So we might have racing thoughts, worries, anticipation, rumination. We, we can't sort of switch off. Um, we become a bit fixated on a certain problem. Feelings or sensations in the body, we might have muscle tension, restless legs, mouth might dry up a bit, we don't make as much saliva, we might breathe more from the mouth instead of through the nose, shallow breathing, we might get a bit of indigestion, heartburn, the butterflies in the tummy, sleep might be affected, might have difficulty getting to sleep or we wake through the night or we wake feeling hot and sweaty, um, might get nightmares or unrefreshing sleep, we might get Food cravings, so our body's like, you know, you're burning up all this energy, stressing, you need to get something that's quick, high-energy source that will go for sugar or fats as a, as a, as a thought to, to get into you. Um, and, you know, we might be experiencing more health issues like headaches, digestive problems, high blood pressure, panic attacks, and then prolonged, prolonged stress can lead to things like anxiety and depression, mood issues, and even things like skin breakouts, et cetera, can be stress-related as well. So it has a big impact on our whole physiology. Mm. Um, when does stress become negative? Mm. So we know that a bit of stress is good and too much stress is bad. And we, we know some people seem to be get stressed out about the smallest things and fall into a heap and become really sick from it. And then you know these other people who are like, you know, high-powered executives who are running resilient. Like, and then they're super resilient and they seem to thrive off it. And a lot of it also comes down to our perception. So ah. our perceived ability to deal with this thing that's causing us stress has a direct influence on the negative impact that that stress has mm. on our body. So the difference between stress and excitement is just a label. And yeah. often if we're, you know, when we're excited and pumped about something, that we, we interpret that as a, a good feeling, even though the same thing's going on, our heart rate's increasing, mm. our, um, you know, muscles are becoming activated. But um, but it's, it's having a, the same feel. feel has what well, you know the word physiological sort of yes. effects. Well, I <laughs> think in, in those instances you get that peak sort of stress, and then it, after the the goal is sort of achieved, it rapidly comes down. With someone who doesn't feel in control of their situation, mm. the threat never really leaves. God so they're gee. sort of stuck in this persistent threat state, and that's when it became become yeah dangerous or or um, a negative to our, towards our health. So for people listening, like I know, like I do acting school and I know I'll get butterflies and sweaty palms before I go on stage every time. But then after it, you almost get like, I don't know if this is a thing, but you feel like you're getting a serotonin high because you feel like you've achieved this thing and you were out of your comfort zone. And the teachers always say to us, like when you're uncomfortable, you're learning. Yeah. You know, you're not doing the same thing. You're not staying in your safety net of what you know is within your skill set or toolkit. And so for me, I'm like, oh, God, here are the butterflies again. Oh, God, here are my sweaty hands again. And I can feel it. But because I do feel like a sense of achievement comes after going through that uncomfortable thing, it feels I, – I notice, though, I do get re- – I sleep so well that night. I feel mm. quite exhausted, mm. but I feel like a sense of – Oh well, Lola, you've lo- you've learned something yes. about yourself. You've learned that you're probably a bit stronger than you realise, or all these things. But so is that ex- more excitement stress? That's, yeah, that's sort of an excited stress, or when stress is actually healthy. So you 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 you're, you're focused, you're um you know you're uh, engaged, yeah, and then you 
you do the thing that's causing you the stress, you get through it and at the end of it you're kind of like, oh, I'm satisfied, I achieved what I needed to Mm. achieve and you kind of, and it sounds like in your example, you're kind of almost celebrating the fact that, yeah, I did that, well done me, this is what I learnt, oh, yep, I face these challenges but now I know for next time. So it's a really healthy example of the stress response. An example where it would go wrong would be, you ruminate over every yeah. little thing you did wrong. You think you did it wrong because you felt stressed. Yeah. The other people look so relaxed and I didn't and um, and you obsess over the, the the sweatiness of the palms of your hands and that your mouth is drying up and, oh, I didn't speak correctly and they might have misheard me and what are the consequences of that going to be and, and the mind doesn't switch off, the stress response keeps going because we feel like, we weren't in control of that situation. We weren't able to meet the need. We weren't able to meet the demands of the situation. So that's when stress becomes a problem. If we, if we feel we're not in control of the situation, or we we don't have the resources available to meet the demands of the situation. Isn't that also perception, though? It, a lot of it comes down to perception, and that's where things like you know therapy and stuff like that yeah. can help because we can we can examine our kind of assumptions about our own lives and personalities. Um, that's where I'm going to just interject you. That's where I found therapy so helpful that I'll be like, why don't you do that thing on stage? And then I'm like, nobody cares. Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I quickly will be just like, Lola, this is your own judgment. No one would have thought that. Yes. Leave it at the door. Yeah. And yeah. that's I would attribute to two and a half years of weekly non-negotiable therapy. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, you know, you, um, you hit the nail on the head there with that kind of switching sort of gears. You're noticing what your mind's doing and you're kind of like, Actually, right now in this moment, I don't need to pay attention to that. So we talked in the last episode about the default mode network Mm -hmm. and how that was essential for our survival, Mm -hmm. but it gets hooked on problems. Mm. And sometimes we can look objectively at the problem our mind's trying to solve and be like, actually, that's not relevant for this period of time Mm. right now. I can sort of let that go. I can let that drop. And that takes practice being able to do that because our mind by design in a way, by nature, will, will get hooked by those sorts of things. Can um, I ask one more question? Mm. I know I'm going to run our time up, but is an example of like a stress ex- a stressful experience, and as you were saying this about like you've got this stressful thing ahead of you, you know the lead up is like it's scary, um, and then you do this thing and you're like, oh, I have a, a sense of achievement and it almost becomes a high and a really positive thing. Just to put in perspective anybody that has skydived, it is like a heightened, it's a very, like imagine on steroids what you're discussing. I remember I did a car deal and they're like, we, we're going to send you, because it was like an adventure car, and they're like, mm. we're going to send you skydiving. And I was like, oh, my God, I'll kick myself if I never do this, but I'm petrified. Mm. And I remember any time for two weeks in the lead up, because I knew two weeks before that I was doing it, they'd be like, oh, wow, you're skydiving, and I would, my hand would start sweating straight away. Mm. And I remember... The whole lead up, the whole morning, the like days in the lead up, I was like, oh, you could die in two days' time. You could like very real like fear and very real stress, yeah, and 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 a sense of anxiety because I was going over it and I was building up this experience in my mind to be negative, Mm. probably because that's how our brains are wired. Mm. And I remember the second that I sat down in this shonky plane, Mm. because anyone that skydive knows it's a tiny plane with literally a plastic roller door on the side, Mm. and they corkscrew to get you up. So you have to go through two layers. Well, I had to go through two levels of cloud. So you go through the first level and you're like, oh, we're about to jump from here. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to 13,000 feet. 13,000 feet. So you corkscrew more and more and more and more. And you've got someone attached to your back. And I remember my guy was like, what are you going to give me if I keep you alive? And I was like, anything you want, <laughs> my friend. 
He asked me out when we landed. He's like, you said anything? And I'm like, no, no, no. Um, (laughs) But my point is the fear only left me, like to be completely honest, and it's almost like when we somehow, and this is before I had therapy or anything like that, I remember the lead up obsessive, like quite OCD about it and, and, and I can, as I'm saying this, my whole body is tightening up. And then the second I sat down in that shonky little plane with five other people, mm. I was totally at peace and calm. It was almost like my brain had gone, you've made this choice. Mm. You better enjoy it. Wow. And it was my brain just was like, and people don't jump. People will get all the way up and be like, I'm out. This is not I happening. I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> just, yeah. My palms are sweating hearing this story. It, well, this is because well, I feel like this explains the, the stress and anxiety. Anyway, and then... My I jumped with a friend and so my guy was like, look, we've got to go pro on my jumper's hand. So you're attached to someone tandem. And so I had to hang out of the plane literally while my friend had jumped before me so he could film it. And by this stage I'm just like, well, let's go for it. And because the I'd given over to the experience on the way up in the plane, I've never spoken about this before on a podcast, it became this gift that I was like, well, how lucky am I that I'm Mm. even doing this? And then you do the jump and it's incredible and it's like the free fall is like the best 20 seconds of your life or whatever Mm. that free fall is and then they pull the the, um, parachute and it's like super blissful and calm. And then when I landed for two weeks, I had this, I don't know if it's a dopamine, serotonin kind of Mm. rush, but I felt like I was invincible. And the friend that I jumped with, we had to see each other every day. We had this like bond that Mm. we felt like we defied life. Mm. Mm. And and to me I feel like it's this stress stress kind of like, I don't know if it's a, it's just fascinating to think of the brain and the way that it kind of like can build something up to be negative. Yes. And then switch it to such a positive. Yeah. And it was one of the, if you said what are the five, coolest things you've done in your life, I'd say that, and swimming with whale sharks, which are Mm. bigger than this house that we're in, Mm. in the wild. You know, and they're all things that are petrifying and you could die from. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the science or theory is in that. Yeah, well, I mean, a a big part of encountering a stressful situation from an evolutionary perspective is to learn – how to either avoid that threat in the past or learn from that threat so that you know how to handle it. And it sounds like in that moment you were kind of like, I- I've got this, I can handle this, I'm in, I'm in safe hands, I'm just giving it over to the universe and trusting. And and that, that part of the um, experience sounds like it was really elating for you and stuff. And I think when we do move through the stresses in our life, and we recognize that we got over them and we and develop skills from them, that builds into a sense of resilience and hardiness. Yeah. Yeah. When we kind of get caught up in the what could I have done better and I shouldn't have done this, and you know, the mind stays in that threat focus zone, then it becomes it can become more of a problem. But in your instance, it sounds like you know, your mind was like, Okay, now I'm ready for this, throwing myself into it. And then there was this sense of achievement. Oh, and you know, that's a big time. part of, you know, managing stress effectively is like giving yourself little challenges, watching yourself overcome them and building up a sense of self-efficacy. And, you know, we you start small. If someone's had a lot of trauma in their background in their life and they've got a very heightened stress response, it, it might be just little wins. It might just be, you know, if they're prone to panic attacks, it might just be getting on a tram for one stop to yeah. begin with. Yeah, totally. And learning how to kind of self-soothe in the moment and also congratulate ourselves when we when we achieve something. Yeah. 
because we can default to the inner critic and I so think, often. And that's what I think about, like, and that's why I think for some reason I was called to tell that story. That was not in my notes to say at all. But I think as well when you do, because you explained that stress and anxiety almost are one of the same thing, almost, mm. Mm. like in the way in which they um, act in the body, yes. it's almost like um, you can, you do get this choice mechanism where you can go, I can this can be negative or I can somehow turn this into like a wonderful learning experience. Exactly, exactly. You can sort of recognise this is my body getting ready for something important as opposed to, oh, I'm stressed, stress is bad, stress feels bad, I should make this go away, I don't want to have a racing heart, I don't want to have sweaty palms, I don't want to feel tense, this is horrible. Then we straight away, we set up a fight with it. Yeah. And if we're fighting our experience, we're activating the part of the brain that's the stress response. So the stress response involves we either fight a problem, flee from the problem, or freeze in response to it. So if we... If we set up a struggle in our own mind where we're either fighting the anxiety, I don't want this go away anxiety, I don't like this anxiety, we're just amplifying the stress response. Oh, I'm going to ignore this anxiety. I'm just going to like pretend it's not happening. I'm just going to like um, distract myself from it. We're fleeing from the anxiety. The anxiety is still this terrible thing that has to be escaped. Or you might just completely freeze and shut down and go into, you know, like disassociate. That's the freeze response. As opposed to just being curious about the anxiety. What's the message here? Oh, anxiety is telling me that this is important to me. This event that Mm. I have to turn up to is important to me. Okay. Can I sit with that anxiety? Can I open up to it, make room for it? Sit my anxiety down for a cup of tea with me as I go into this situation, hold hands with the anxiety, which sounds, I don't mean to sound that, for that to sound really flippant because and, and someone who's had an anxiety disorder, that is not easy to do in the initial mm. phases. But essentially that's what it is. We, it, anxiety will come on board for the ride. Mm. And for some of us, unfortunately, it's going to come on board more often. Mm. So how do we relate to it in a different way? We can't make it go away. It's biologically hardwired into us. Mm. We can't make those sorts that, that, that bother us stop from appearing. But how do we change our relationship to them so they don't dictate how we live our lives Mm. and that's I think the big difference and I guess we might unpack a bit the difference between stress and anxiety anxiety is kind of like you said a prolonged ongoing stress response it's when you know you're having persistent worrying thoughts obsessions um you know feelings of tension in the body that despite there being no obvious threat that feeling doesn't go away and if that's been going on for long enough, you know, it's something that needs to be sort of addressed for you to engage in and have a quality of life. So we all experience stress, that's normal. We all experience some anxiety, that's normal. When the anxiety is hanging around so much that it's interfering with your ability to live a normal life, that's when you need to get some help. Mm. Um, and you need to speak to a therapist, psychologist. Um, you know, some people might require medication. There's a lot of, you know, naturopathic approaches to this as well if, you, if that's not an option for you. Um, and then, of course, we need to work on the mind itself. We need to understand that our mind's not our best friend at times. Our mind is mm-hmm. adapted to it. Our mind is like an old caveman from a different time, thinks it knows what's best for us, but in the context of our modern lives, it's, it doesn't always have the best strategies. Its strategy is kind of like avoid threat as best, best as possible, run away from it as best as possible, fight it at the last minute or freeze and freak out if you can't do anything. Now, those three strategies were useful in our evolutionary yeah. past. They're not so useful in our day-to-day existence. 
I could talk to you for ages. We're never going to stick to time if I don't wrap it. This, you're so fascinating and I thank you so much for sharing so much of this here and I love that you've tapped on with the stress and anxiety is the physical manifestation as well because I think um, for someone like me who's quite lucky and hasn't had, I've had one panic attack in my life and not um, excessive anxiety, I've definitely had stress but um, I it took me a long time to get connected to my body and understand that, oh, I do have all these signs of stress within my body and, mm. you know, like you mentioned with the skin, like I'm an eczema girl, you know, like and always there's all it only comes up if there's a trip coming ahead of me that I'm really mm. scared of or a big work thing that's going to call upon me to really be on my A game and that's, again, my own pressure that I'm placing on myself. But it's really nice to, to marry the physical with the mind as well. Mm. So thank you. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we go into the meditation? Um, yeah, maybe just just quickly that because we have this sort of default sort of stress response mm-hmm. and there is a natural tendency for us to become kind of more anxious because we're wired for survival, it's important to then practice and savour moments when we are relaxed. And mm. there are techniques we can use to slow down that excessive activation of the central nervous system. So breathing techniques is one, meditation, yoga, all sorts of different sort of self-care strategies can be helpful. So the next meditation will be about that, will be utilising the felt sensation of the breath in the body to have a soothing or calming effect on our nervous system. Not to make the anxiety go away but to sort of kind of take the edge off it a bit so we can hold it in our awareness more gently. And like you said, almost have a cup of tea with it and be kind of aware that it's... Um, one thing as an A-type personality, mm. he, he, hearing you say like these kind of like slowing kind of, that makes me a bit oh uncomfortable because I've always got something on the go and I think, and I've just written here guilt and I think, I know we're going to probably touch on it in other areas, but I think don't see slowing down or being mindful or that kind of self-care as something that, is something to be kind of like because I get I get uncomfortable being slow mm. and mm. and slowing down and stopping and just spending a day in nature or just getting a massage or mm. like there's a lot of like oh that was my self care thing for the week tick like I have to compartmentalize it mm. into so for A type people listening know that these methods of mindfulness and self care and giving back to yourself are just as important as the doing. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like getting angry at your phone at the end of the day that you need to put it on the charger to recharge. Like (laughs) you're you're fighting, it's it's an impossible battle. The body needs time to rest and rejuvenate and digest and process and that can't happen when we go, 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 go all the time. And then the go, go, go becomes ineffective. That's what I was going to say. Then by slowing down you're probably going to be way more on point and way clearer and probably even a smarter go, Mm. go, go person as Mm. a result of slowing down. Yeah, absolutely. You're amazing. Okay, over to you now. We're going to do a stress and anxiety meditation. This meditation is called Affectionate Breathing. And in this meditation, we're using the breath as a focus point for our attention. So we're training our concentration. And it also uses the breath as a way to soothe our body by uh, experiencing the sensation of the breath coming in and out of the body. So it can be quite relaxing. Starting like with all meditations, sitting in an upright position with a straight back, 
as you breathe in, rolling the shoulders back and opening the chest, softening the belly and softening the muscles in the face. And just breathing naturally for now. You can close your eyes if you wish, or you can keep them sort of half closed and pick a spot on the floor just to stare at, just to eliminate any visual distractions. But if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, that works well too. And just drawing attention to the fact that you're breathing, noticing wherever you feel the breath most in the body. So that might be the tip of the nostrils. Or the rise and fall of the belly. Or the rise and fall of the chest. Perhaps if you have trouble feeling these internal sensations, you might want to cast your eyes down and have a look at the rise and fall of the belly. Just notice whatever you notice. And then you're welcome to, as part of this exercise, just place your hand on your heart for a second and just feel the warmth of your hand on your heart. And that gentle pressure of the hand. And this is just a reminder that we're bringing a quality of awareness to this exercise, an affectionate awareness, a kind awareness. And that gentle pressure and warmth activates our calming part of the nervous system, the mammalian caregiving complex, which has a relaxing effect on the body. And if you like, you can keep your hand there for the exercise or just know that you can bring it back there at any point in time if you feel a need for some supportive, soothing, calming touch. And just feeling into the breath in your body now, tuning into wherever you feel the breath most. No need to strain, just seeing if you can get a subtle sense of the breath coming in and coming out. Noticing the breath for the full duration from the top of the in-breath and slowly as the breath comes out, seeing if you can stay with the physical sensation of breathing. And for the duration of this meditation, seeing if you can hold your awareness in that spot, holding it gently but intentionally. But allowing the breath to come naturally, there's nothing you need to do but draw your attention there. Each breath, an opportunity to replenish your attention, to return your focus. Your body's been breathing your whole life. There's nothing you need to do. You can just allow it to happen naturally. No need to control it. Your body knows just what to do. And feeling the physical sensation of breathing, you might notice as you breathe in, your body is kind of nourished from the oxygen you're breathing in. It's sort of energized. Maybe feeling that if you can.
And then perhaps noticing as you breathe out, the body is kind of soothed or relaxed on the out-breath. It kind of lets go a little bit with each out-breath. Seeing if you can stay with that feeling as it happens. Nourished by each in-breath, oxygen coming in. And soothed and relaxed by each out-breath as you let go. Nourishing breath in and relaxing breath out. Tuning in to the natural rhythm of your breathing. Feeling that rhythm, that soothing in and out rhythm. of the breath flowing in and the breath flowing out. Perhaps even feeling the subtle ways in which your whole body is gently rocked and moved by your own breathing. Feeling that gentle backwards and forwards rocking motion of the breath in your own body. Enjoying this feeling if you can, being soothed by it if that feels right for you. Or just noticing and being curious about whatever sensation does arrive, arise. And staying with that as best you can. And you may have noticed that sometimes your mind has already wandered, perhaps many times. That's okay. That's what the mind is designed to do. Each time you notice that, see that as an opportunity, an opportunity to return your focus back to the breathing, just breathing. Nothing complicated. Just gently surfing the waves of the breath with your awareness and concentration. Guiding your attention back to the breath each time you lose focus. Feeling into the breath, tuning into that soothing rhythm that's always there with you. Letting your breath take up all of your awareness if you can. Feeling your awareness and concentration with the feeling of the breath. The nourishment of the breath coming in and the letting go feeling of the breath coming out. Surfing those gentle waves of the breath in your body. Just breathing, there's nothing else you need to do.
knowing the breath is always there with you, always an anchor for your awareness to hold on to. At any time you need it, you can tune into this soothing breath and use it to steer your focus, to hold you grounded in the present moment. And if you feel so inclined, you might like to place your hand over your heart again just for a moment, feeling the warmth and gentle pressure. And maybe extending some thanks or gratitude towards your breath and towards your body and towards yourself for setting this time aside to meditate even just for a brief period of time. You may like like to press pause and continue focusing on the breath or perhaps you've done enough meditating today. Check in with what you need, allowing whatever feelings to be present, letting go of the breath, and whenever you're ready, gently, gently opening your eyes and letting go of the meditation. <laughs>